the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Mark Middleberg, my guest tonight. He is a former evangelism director of Willow Creek Community Church. His new book, The Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. As you engaged in this survey, Mark, and I think all of these questions that you outline and detailed answers inside the pages of your new book are all vital ones. Which one would you say, though, that tended to come up the most? Well, and by the way, I need to apologize. I'm just getting over laryngitis. Not, Not a problem. I'm operating with half of my voice uh, cut off here. But uh, the, the very first question we addressed in the book was one of the top two on the survey, and that is, how do you know God exists? You can't see him, feel him, hear him. You know, he's not a physical being, and yet you're kind of staking your life and eternity on belief in him. Why do you do that? And, you know, I think as Christians, again, a lot of us grew up knowing God, believing in God, experiencing God, worshiping God, it's just a normal part of what we believe and know to be true. And yet, when someone says it like that, it's very intimidating. And like, well, I don't know how to prove it to someone else. And so I address that one very first. That's chapter one in the book, which, by the way, I can give a website later where people can read that first chapter for free. Why don't you do that right now, Mark? Okay, it's, it's thequestionswithanswers.com. TheQuestionsWithAnswers.com. Right, and we've got uh, Lee Strobel did the foreword, that's there, and then the introduction, and then this first chapter, which is, you know, how do you know God exists? You can't see, feel, hear, or touch Him. Let's, let's address that question. How do we know that God exists? If you can't reach out and physically touch Him, and you're talking with someone who says, look, you know, God gets the blame for a lot of stuff, I just don't know that there's any evidence that God actually exists. Well, it's a great question, and the first thing I say is don't ignore or discount your experience. Um, As a Christian, I grew up being taught this uh, as I grew up, but God is very real to me, and uh, I think anyone who's really walking with Jesus is able to talk about, you know, ways he is real to them, ways he has led them, protected them, redirected them, even, even when he convicts us of being in the wrong or of sin, that is God's activity in our lives. So first thing I say is talk about that openly and boldly because it's real. But if you just stop there, the average non-Christian is going to go, okay, well, that's experience, but you know, I need evidence. Well, I give two scientific arguments and then one that's more, maybe a little more philosophical. But uh, the first thing I talk about in the chapter is the existence of the universe. And I'm telling you, this has always been a good argument, but in the last 20, 30 years, science has reinforced this one in a huge way. And the basic argument is this. First of all, whatever begins to exist has a cause. In other words, things don't pop into existence on their own. So whatever has a beginning has a cause. second part of the argument says the universe had a beginning. And the beauty of this, again, is Virtually every scientist now believes in some version of the Big Bang theory. 
that it, you know, at a point, uh, you know, a finite point in time, there was a huge explosion at which everything that, that we call the universe came out of an infinitesimal point. And scientists believe this. And, and I do too, and I think Genesis 1-1 describes it. But they, they think it's a natural event. I just say it's a, a scientific description of a miracle. And so the universe did have a beginning, but then the third part of the argument is whatever had a beginning has a cause, the universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe had to have a cause outside of it, a cause that is great enough to produce it, smart enough to produce it, powerful enough to produce it, old enough to be there to produce it, and artistic enough to make it as wonderful as it is. Well, I'm telling you, that's the God of the Bible. And that's, you know, science and philosophy point to this, you know, powerful reality that there is a God that is beyond all of this who created it. One of the other frequent questions that come up is dealing with the issue of the Bible. Now, of course, typically as Christians, we rely on the Scripture as the source of which we use for good, solid apologetics, as well we should. To the person who says, but wait a minute, the Bible was written by men, it's wrought with all kinds of contradictions and errors and mistakes. How or why should we trust the Bible? Again, a question that is very intimidating to a lot of Christians right up front, because they've always accepted it. And they're often tempted to just say, well, it says right here in Second Timothy that the Bible is inspired, it's the Word of God, it's you know, profitable for correction and teaching, etc., etc., and I agree with that. I agree with that verse, but that's not how you're going to prove it to your non-Christian friends. They're going to say, that's just circular reasoning. You're just using the book I'm questioning to try to prove it. You can't do that. So what? What first thing I like to do, Craig, is when someone says, you know, it's so full of contradictions, you can't trust it. I just like to look at them and say, you know, contradictions bother me too, but I'm just curious. What are your top two or three? And I'm telling you, it's usually as silent as what we just experienced. Because most people kind of parrot a cliche that they've heard, and that is that the Bible's full of contradictions, and they haven't even looked into it, they haven't read it for themselves, they have no idea. And you ask them what are their top two or three contradictions that bother them the most, they don't even have anything to say. And when that happens, which is the majority of the time, I'd like to then say, well, listen, before you start criticizing and writing off the book that has changed the lives of millions or really billions of people, you owe it to yourself to read it for yourself and look at it because you're going to find out it is true and it speaks to your heart, it speaks to your deepest needs. But now some people will say, well, you know, there's contradictions there. Uh, you know, some of the Gospels say that there was an angel at the tomb. And then other Gospels say there were two angels at the tomb. And so you can't have, you know, it's either one or two, that's a contradiction. I can't trust a book that, you know, where the guys can't even count angels. When we run into those kind, and by the way, that's the nature of most of what people call contradictions. And what I point out there, and I, this is what I talk about in the chapter, in the questions Christians hope no one will ask, I explain that the nature of eyewitness testimony is that it's always incomplete. Uh, I live in Colorado. I'm looking out my window. I can very honestly say there is a pine tree out there. But, Craig, if you were sitting there, you may look out and say, what do you mean there's a pine tree? There's about a 1,000 pine trees out there. Well, we're both right. See, I didn't say there's only one pine tree. I just mentioned one of the pine trees I'm looking at. 
And so I gave less than full detail. You said there was a thousand, and you're right too. But in reality, there's a lot more than a thousand because I live in the middle of the woods. So those are just incomplete levels of information. And so going back to the Bible, one gospel writer mentions an angel. He didn't say there's only one. He just mentioned that there was an angel. Then one of the other writers mentions how many there were. He says there were two. And as one person says, you know, here's a mathematical formula that's helpful. Wherever there's two, there's also one. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's, that's a good perspective. And, you know, the, the other issue here that I think can, can give us all a sense of a sigh of relief, initially you think in a topic like this that it means that we have to get into to deep concentration and study and pull out the thesaurus and the concordances and spend hours on the Internet doing research so that we can memorize all these details and data. But as you heard in those two exemplary uh, questions and answers, that it's really fairly basic. It's not that hard or involved if you know where to look and what to share. A look at the questions Christians hope no one will ask with answers. And as Mark mentions, if you'd like to read the first chapter online, you can do so for free. Go to thequestionswithanswers.com. That's thequestionswithanswers.com. Com. And Mark Middleberg, thanks so much for the time. It's a great book and one that's an easy read and yet I believe a very important read for all Christians who want to not just deepen your own understanding and knowledge of the Scripture, but also how to better improve your ability at sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Strengthen your tent stakes and be ready for exciting growth. Welcome to the program as we're joined today in studio by a very special guest. Some exciting news about some pretty significant um, strengthening of tent stakes going on at a ministry that's had a presence here in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 70 years now. has impacted upwards of 8,000 lives directly through higher Christian education. And my goodness, the untold numbers of tens of hundreds of thousands of people whose lives have been impacted off of that, well, certainly only God in history will know the impact of the ministry of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, now Gateway Seminary. And joining me today in studio is the director of the newly formed Fremont Campus, professor of historical theology at Gateway Seminary, Dr. Rick Durston. Doctor, great to see you again. It's good to see you, Craig. Thanks so much for having me in the studio. Lots of exciting things going on today, and I suppose most notably some people saying, wait a minute, new campus, uh, name change? Wow, what's going on here? I must have missed a memo. Uh, There have been some really exciting things going on at this institution that, as I mentioned, has had roots here in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 70 years now. So there's a couple of good solid generations plus in there. That's correct. And now that strengthening of the tent stakes for expansion to include a brand new campus in Fremont and down south in Ontario. Tell us what's been going on. On April 1st, in fact, when the president began to share what was going to happen on April Fool's Day, I wondered if it was just a bad joke. (laughs) Uh, This was two years ago. The president said, uh, obviously, our trustees were in the know and our vice presidents, that we had sold the campus and that we were looking to acquire a strategic property in Southern California and a strategic property in the East Bay. Uh, as Golden Gate moved its footprint slightly in California. We already had a campus in Southern California in Brea. He began to share this, and 
to find out if we, the faculty, the students, would respond with unity. And that has been an amazing thing. I think sometimes when you make a strategic step, it's always risky. It always has bumps. It always has problems. But will the people go with you? And it has happened. We also thought that uh, will our, our, our constituencies, the churches and our donors, will they step up and believe that God is in this too? And uh, about a month after this, our president gets a call and uh, a donor says, we believe in what you're doing and we want to fund you to help train church planters anywhere Golden Gate's at, now Gateway Seminary. And wrote a check. The president looked at it. It was $750,000. And that that kind of thing keeps happening. Uh, On the micro level, with faculty relocating and getting a house for the very first time, those kinds of things. Uh, But the bigger stories are related to uh, how we came to sell the property in Mill Valley because we were stymied. We tried two years to amend our master plan and spent $2 million and actually went backwards. And I do think sometimes when we're knocking on a door, it's not the door God wants us to go through, but we think we're just knocking hard enough. Meanwhile, somebody tapped us on the shoulder and said, would you consider selling your property? And it had to be for the right number and with no conditions uh, because it's just very difficult in Marin and perhaps other counties to get something through the planning commission. So uh, we uh, settled on $85 million. Uh, We found this property, another kind of miracle in Ontario where the president said, we looked and looked at buildings, nothing was just right. And the president points at a building and says, that's the kind of building I want. Well, it wasn't for sale, but we owned it within two weeks. Mm. Uh, And we wanted to come to Fremont because it's, it's so central to the freeway system. It's on the BART line. A church calls us up out of the blue. We would like to give you property on Mission Boulevard in Fremont. No conditions whatsoever. So now we've broken ground in Fremont, and the construction is going forward as rapidly as the uh, contractors can deliver it. Uh, two-story, beautiful, beautiful building on Mission Boulevard which are excited about that also. So the Fremont campus of Gateway Seminary will be here. Uh, We've already moved into the campus down in Ontario, and uh, we are holding on to a rent back in Mill Valley uh, until December when the Fremont campus will be ready to occupy and we can start classes in the spring of 2017. There's a lot of wonderful strategy that seems to have come together and, and, and just perfectly aligned, but I get the sense that God has really been the driver of that strategy, to, to have a buyer come along, to be able to unload that prime real estate in Mill Valley and literally expand the ministry, brand new facilities. And even the building in Ontario, I understand, is a bit of a miracle. That was something I understand that went up and that got stymied because of the 2009 economic downturn and literally sat there as a shell, almost as if God said, I've reserved this property for you. Exactly. Um, The building went into bankruptcy and was acquired. And so we got a great deal on a high-end business building that had never been finished on the inside. And so we spent uh, several millions of dollars to renovate it to be a state-of-the-art training place for – pastors, church planters, ministers. So when they walk in there, they're going to feel thrilled that God has called them to train at Gateway Seminary. 
Let's talk about the name change. For literally 70 years of the history of the ministry of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, uh, seemed to reference your location, Mill Valley, literally overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge and the, the, probably the most recognizable landmark in the world. And yet the name change seems to lead more toward the mission of this educational ministry in the sense of serving as a gateway to pastoral work, certainly missions work, a big emphasis in the educational programs within what now Gateway Seminary is doing. Uh, It is true. People all over the world, and especially in the United States, who want to work cross-culturally, multiculturally, they will come to the Bay Area because that's who we are. Uh, Virtually any people group you want to work on planet Earth or in the U.S., they live here. You can look it up in the Yellow Pages or Yelp it and find a restaurant. So I can taste what that culture is like uh, here in Fremont, uh, the, the flea markets that's here. Any Middle Eastern nation in the world, you can go there and find your people. And so to have uh, this campus really is the next step, the next generation of Golden Gate's mission. You know, sometimes we start our mission and we're a little myopic. It's a little smaller than what God plans for. And he said, look up higher, you know, claim, claim the nations. And I think that The move from Golden Gate, so, you know, Golden Gate has six campuses. We have five physical campuses and one online. And when you answer the phone in Denver, Colorado, and say Golden Gate Seminary, it doesn't quite connect that that well. Uh, And we want to be a gateway to anywhere God is calling somebody to train or calling someone to go. And we're very excited about uh, the possibilities. By the way, for the last two years, somebody had renamed our critical PR piece, public relations piece, and it was called a Gateway Magazine. So God has been ahead of us all the steps. (laughs) Indeed. We're just trying to catch up with him. A friend of mine says, you know, we don't take Jesus to anybody. Jesus takes us to people he's already working with. And that's just what's happened at Gateway Seminary. Was it strategic also, Dr. Durst, in terms of maintaining a presence here in the San Francisco Bay Area? And I ask that question because we know that many notable Christian schools and universities have left the Bay Area. Now, uh, not to cast any aspersions, they deal with the high cost of living here, the expenses of operating any kind of institute here in the Bay Area is just outrageous. And so the desire to want to move to greener, cheaper pastures is certainly a logical one. And yet I have to wonder, as you speak to the representation of the globe right here in the San Francisco Bay Area, where you can have a student come through the doors, sit through the program at Gateway, and then get some real-world mission field experience, not halfway across the world that requires an airplane flight and a passport, but literally down the street. There's got to be something very strategic to that approach to maintaining the presence of a campus here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Part of the vision of our presidents, I've I've been at Golden Gate for 25 years now, so I've sat under a number of presidents, and the vision has always been to put the training as close to the person who's called as possible. So they don't have to disrupt their ministry. They can energize it, polish it, strengthen it by training at Golden Gate. You know, typically we think about get your training and then start the ministry. Well, really, Many of the students that God is calling to Golden Gate, it's the other way around. They've started their ministry, and now they realize the need for additional uh, strategies, education, to get sounder in the Old Testament, the New Testament, theology, church history, and that's why they seek, uh, seek out Gateway Seminary. Now, the cost of living faithfully for Christ is going up. 
many of us are facing increasing hostility as we share the gospel. However, it's the nature of the gospel that it gets better lift when it's shared in the wind of hostility. Mm -hmm. And the same for the seminary. But God steps up and picks up the check. Uh, I remember sitting with a Chinese pastor, much senior, really respected, and I didn't know how, how you get the check, you know. And I reached out for the check, and he grabbed it and said, I'll pick up the check. And I thought about the words of the Lord, you know. Uh, Vengeance is mine. I'll pick up the check, so to speak. Well, God's picked up the check for us at Gateway, and we're so grateful. It's not anything we've done. It's his plan. It's his supply. But we are some word less than unfaithful if we don't step into that and keep stepping and keep trusting and keep persevering even when wrinkles and troubles happen. Dr. Rick Durst is with us today in studio. He is, by the way, the director of the new Fremont campus of now Gateway Seminary, and uh, we are delighted to hear the good news of what God is doing and the growth of this ministry, uh, not only here in Northern California, but the brand new campus facilities in Southern California as well. And of course, there is a global footprint of this ministry in terms of the online learning. We'll talk a bit about that in a moment. Right now, we'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to The Conversation. We're visiting today with Dr. Rick Durst. He is the director of the newly formed Fremont campus of Gateway Seminary. You say Gateway Seminary. That that doesn't ring a bell. How about Golden Gate Theological Seminary? Oh, that should ring a lot of bells. A ministry that's had deep roots here in the Bay Area for more than 70 years now. More than 8,000 students have matriculated through the campus doors there and gone into the mission field, be it here in America or overseas. And, of course, that great, rich theological heritage will continue now with a brand-new campus in Fremont, brand-new facilities in Ontario. And we were just mentioning before the break, Dr. Durst, the fact that part of the vision here is to give students practical in-field ministry application. And traditionally it's been come, learn by the book, and then go and be sent and discover in the missions field what real ministry is like. This is a unique environment, isn't it, particularly for the presence of Gateway here, in that the missions field is not a plane ride. It's literally out your back door. Every potential culture, language, people group that exists anywhere on the planet is represented right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I think what in particular excites me about the ministry, the educational ministry, of Gateway Seminary is the fact that not only are you equipping students to serve in the real-world environment that benefits us here locally in terms of impacting the Bay Region with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that practical application of going into all the world, Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. There's probably nowhere else on planet Earth where Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth are virtually the same thing. Absolutely. When I think about the location in Fremont and just start looking around, knowing what ethnic groups are uh, located with some intensity in different places, and also the fact that we're, we're in the Silicon Valley and what's happening in Google and Facebook and all of those companies that are changing the world's culture, and to embrace that with theological education and biblical interpretation That's the right mix uh, for students to be shaped and transformed. And one of the things I really like about Gateway Seminary is sometimes uh, 
Christianity can be steeped in tradition and which the traditions of the faith and the truth of the doctrine, that, that doesn't need to change. But methods always need to be changing. And, but sometimes we elevate methods almost to idolatry. But at, Go, at Gateway Seminary, you are expected to try new things and not succeed always. You know, it's, it's almost as if in the classroom, what have you failed at lately? Because you tried something new and it doesn't always go well. Or how could you tweak that? How could you do that? And the faculty that are, are um, in, in the classes, they're real-world practitioners. In fact, I used to think the only way you could come on the seminary's faculty is by having literally 10 to 20 years in the international field. Mm. And many of our faculty have serious um, pastoral ministry experience, but plus some have lots of international experience. Uh, our professor of counseling, uh, she was there when Serbo-Croatian War broke out. And she and her husband were delivering counseling and Christian truth and pastoral care, and they bring that into the classroom. What could be better? And beyond the practical application, there's another point that I want to underscore here. We've seen an alarming paradigm shift take place in higher education, not only secular higher education in America, but even in theological training, that has embraced not new methodologies, but new theologies that depart from historical, biblical Christian teaching. And I think, in particular, what's exciting about the presence and the impact of Gateway here in the San Francisco Bay Area is that while you embrace, as you suggest, Dr. Durst, new innovation, new thoughts, new ideas to disseminate the gospel, to impact lives for Christ. And let's face it, we should always be doing things like that. I mean, who would have looked at radio 80 years ago and said this can't possibly be a tool for the gospel, where today it's considered to be a normative part of the overall tools that are available to us in sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ or, or growing in, in one's discipleship in, in relationship with the Lord. But the fact that Gateway is dedicated to the fundamental historical Christian pillars of truth, I think is particularly exciting because we've seen this trend take place in many other ways where all of a sudden the new ageism begins to creep into theological teaching and we're embracing pluralism and things of this sort. We end up watering down the effectiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has not at all been the case of the theological approach by Gateway. Uh, Gateway Seminary is uh, an educational enterprise of the Southern Baptist Convention. So people know what we stand for in terms of, as you suggested, uh, we are committed to uh, the, the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture. We are committed to um, the, uh, the historic faith, uh, the Nicene Creed, and so forth. Uh, and we really believe that God shows his power in faithfulness to Scripture and the gospel. And my job as a faculty member is to acquaint the students with the spectrum of what's taught and what has been taught in church history, but then show them how we are faithful in this context with the scriptures, from the scriptures, in order to address the issues. Um, uh, for instance, in uh, about 1952, when the Revised Standard Version came out, it changed a number of things from the King James Version. One of the things it changed was 1 John 5, 7, and 8, uh, which was, in the King James Version, a, an explicit reference to the Trinity. These three, Father, Son, and Spirit, are one. Well, that isn't in the oldest 
biblical manuscripts. So immediately, um, Muslim apologists began to say, Christians have taken the Trinity out of the Bible. And so consequently, there's that, that, that uh, tension. Tension, yeah. When, how do I answer that? Well, uh, part of my research and other faculty's research is to look in the New Testament. There are 75 references to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, or Spirit, Son, Father, in one of those three orders in the New Testament. So it's not our fault we believe the Trinity. It's what the Scripture says. If you take the Scripture seriously, you're going to believe what the ancient faith is with reference to the one God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's a, just an example of how we do things at Golden, uh, Gateway Seminary uh, to, to train the students to be effective in training others and their leaders in the churches to do the work of ministry in the Bay Area and beyond. And to be able to address those kinds of questions, to, to have a strong biblically-based apologia that can go to the heart of the questions that will be raised by not only other cultures and other peoples and seekers, but also people that come from other religious viewpoints that wish to engage in debate. At the end of the day, um, Christian apologetics is really not about trying to win a debate, but it's about disseminating truth in love that can effectively change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yesterday, a Muslim had asked a person who's sharing the gospel here in the Bay Area, and had asked her, what about the Crusades? And I said, well, I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not sure it's the one you want to use because it's too argumentative. But Laman Sana, who taught missions at Yale University, he's a Muslim background believer. Um, He said, look, Christians did commit these Crusades, and we've been apologizing for a thousand years. Muslims are still committing Crusades, and they have never, ever apologized. What's up with that? How come there's no apology of it? I said, well, you could give that answer, and it may rock them back a bit. But maybe a better way of coming at that is to say, what is it in the nature of Christianity that when we make a mistake, we want to honor God by honestly acknowledging that and humbling ourselves? Why is it when Islamic leadership makes a mistake, where is the place of repentance in that? And what is the difference? Uh, you may be aware of this. There's a new wind blowing in Islam. And because of the um, jihadist, fundamentalist uh, movement that's causing death, mostly against Muslims, but touching everybody in the world, many Muslims are saying, this is not working for me anymore. I need to find something else, and they are coming to Christ. Now, with persecution— but there is a new wind blowing across the Middle East, and more Muslims are coming to Christ now than ever. Well, and the concept of a personal relationship with the very God himself, who is in the business of not retribution but reconciliation, Amen. has got to excite somebody when that truth is quickened to their heart by the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation. If you've just joined us, Dr. Rick Durst is with us today in studio. He is the Fremont Campus Director of Gateway Seminary, formerly known as Golden Gate Theological Seminary. Lots of exciting things going on with the expansion to a brand new campus centrally located in the San Francisco Bay Area that really is literally 45 minutes driving time from no matter where you live in the San Francisco Bay region. And of course, there's also a a brand new campus that has been established down in Ontario. There's an online outreach as well of education that we'll talk a bit about when we come back to more of our conversation with Dr. Rick Durst from Gateway Seminary. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Dr. Rick Durst is with us today from Gateway Seminary, formerly known as Golden Gate Theological Seminary, located for, my goodness, more than 70 years in a beautiful campus in Marin County in Mill Valley. And now, uh, with the recent sale of that campus, moving to a brand new facility in Fremont, centrally located for anybody in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's also allowed construction of a new facility in Ontario. And as we talk about the the breadth and depth of the educational course offerings um, through Gateway Seminary, just walk us through, if you would, Doctor, for those that are maybe not familiar with uh, the ministry opportunity, the educational ministry opportunity is here. Give us kind of a, a brief thumbnail look at the ministry of Gateway. Well, those of you that know theological education, you know that the bread and butter degree is the Master of Divinity. It's a three-year degree that is anchored in Bible, Old and New Testaments, hermeneutics, how do you interpret the scriptures, church history, theology, and then practical courses in pastoral care, missions, evangelism, uh, and so forth. And there's a uh, field education component in there in order to complete the degree program. So that's a three-year degree program. We have a, a, a scaled-down version. Some people call it MDiv Light, but it's the Master of Theological Studies. So if you just take the core of the MDiv, excluding the biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew, that's what the MTS is, Masters of Theological Studies. But also others are field called to discipleship education. So we have a Master's of Art and Educational Leadership. Now those are that's a two-year degree. The Master of Theological Studies is also a two-year degree. Now, all of those programs will be offered at the uh, Fremont campus. Uh, all of the courses for the MDiv are offered every year. Uh, just yesterday, I said to some uh, friends at church, um, you can drop in on any of my classes anytime. I'd just like you to see what it's like. You can audit classes. There are specific certificate programs that you could take in youth ministry, um, in Bible teaching program. So there are subsets of one of those degree programs. So you can wade in as deep as you think your schedule will allow. One of the things, too, in terms of people with busy schedules, that's always a challenge to trying to accommodate if you're in full-time ministry and looking to expand your education or working full-time and looking to to get the education to move into full-time ministry, and that is online learning. And and you have a a depth of knowledge about this because you, in fact, began um, Gateway's online educational track. Tell us a bit about that. Um, Well, let me say first, those of you who are listening and your pastor, your minister needs theological education. It's a big sacrifice to pursue education. You have to give up something to get something. Please encourage them to do it and support them in doing it. Even pay for it. Get them to have that education. They will have more tools in their toolbox to solve ministry issues if you will let them prepare and get a really sharp axe. Uh, they'll, they'll be the better for it and bless you for it all their lives. And the kingdom will grow and prosper that way. Now, I was the vice president of academic affairs at Golden Gate, been there for 11 years, and I realized we have got to develop an online program. Went to the president and said, I said, basically, you got to have somebody that's passionate about it and think you can really deliver high-level theological education online. And so 30 days later, he called me back. I've been praying about this. And he said, Rick, I think you should do it. Now, will you develop the online program? So I stepped down and spent seven years developing the online program. Honestly, it's an all-volunteer army. The faculty, not that they're doing it for free, but they said, I want to do it. I want to do it. And the ones that are doing it are saying, 
what my students learn online is not less than what they learn in the classroom. And they kind of would like – it's like they've become addicted. They want to just teach online. So Golden Gate does it with a little more – I'll say hands-on, but the faculty are very involved. It's not just give you an assignment of reading and take a test and then you're done. There's interaction. There's videos, all kinds of tools uh, that happen with that. So at the Gateway Seminary, I've organized the schedule. So if you could give us just your Monday, uh, late morning, noon, and night, you can get that Master of Divinity or the end of any of the other degree programs in four years. We also have night classes, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. Now, as we grow, we can add more to that schedule. But any time that you can't get the class you need because of your schedule, all of these courses are offered on online every year. So you can plug one of those in. So if you're uh, a student at Gateway Seminary, you can take it in any of those formats as you need. And we have Say myself, for instance, we have other academic advisors who can help you sort through the schedule to come up with the best plan that will work for you. Now, I got my Ph.D. in historical theology with the vision I wanted to build a bridge between my church in Vallejo and the seminary and between the seminary and my church, and it worked out fantastic. So I would encourage you, don't come to seminary by yourself. Bring your church with you and bring the seminary to your church. Well, and listen, at the end of the day, uh, church as the body of Christ, better equipped, will become more effective for the sake of the gospel of the kingdom. And one of the issues that, that always troubles me is that there is, there is such a, a body of evidence to suggest that there is tremendous degree of theological ignorance, uh, biblical illiteracy out there, and that's not just within the folks that sit in the pews. We hear oftentimes stories that are in the newspapers all the time about heresy that's being taught from the pulpit. The deeper the education in God's Word, the truer that we will be through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and ultimately the more effective we can be. In a day and an age when there is so many competing theological viewpoints that are extra-biblical, uh, to know that there is an institute that's available right here in the Bay Area, not only for direct in-class learning, but the, the miracle of the Internet and the convenience that it can provide. And I've heard some students say that they even get a, feel like as if they get a more intimate, deeper education because of the impact of the online learning, because you don't have the distractions that are there that you wouldn't maybe in a normal classroom setting. Well, the introverts have an advantage online. Oh, yes, they do, don't they? (laughs) And the other thing, too, is to be able to go deeper in the sense that we we extract from the equation now all of the commuting time that's involved. Exactly. And if that commuting time can be now put to a better use, like more time studying, imagine the depth of the impact of that. So there really is are are multifaceted advantages here, aren't there? Yeah, online education is not easier. It just puts it right on your desk, and you have to be very self-disciplined to keep up with it. As we do at a gateway, you have assignments that are due every week, and then it all switches over to the next week. So you have to keep up, but it's designed by the faculty so that this curriculum shapes you up, and you should grow theologically and, I'll say, pastorally as you go through that class, and you'll see it happen. You'll see new muscles uh, spiritually, where they weren't there before. Do you see a lot of um, students also enrolling that perhaps have uh, been career 
in ministry and would like a little bit of a refresher course or would like to maybe go deeper in their understanding just to improve their pulpit ministry or maybe God's calling them to a shift in direction. They're going to move from, um, from the pulpit into the mission field. Yes, I love that when that happens. Uh, I love having experienced people in the classroom because sometimes students that are younger don't have enough life experience to say, well, when am I ever going to use that? Oh, I'll answer that one. I'll answer that one. And I I just back away then and let those experienced people speak to that issue, and the class just sort of binds together as a real community of learning. Um, In 2018, uh, we will host our first Doctorate of Ministry track. So those of you that are ready for, to move beyond your theological degree in hand now to something doctoral, uh, one of my friends who went through the doctoral program at Gateway Seminary, he said, before I entered this program, I was tired and just enduring my ministry, but now I'm leaving it, enjoying it. Mm. So if you'd like to restore the joy and get additional tools, sharpen yourself so you can sharpen your people, I encourage you to to pursue that and look at it very carefully. Well, you know, it's biblical. We're, we're told to study to show ourselves approved, and I don't think you, you ever cease that experience. There's nothing in Scripture that says, and once you're ordained, you may stop, or once you have your MDiv, you may stop. No, yeah. it says study to show yourself approved. That's and a so, lifelong learning. Absolutely so. And, of course, what a delight to know that part of that lifelong learning can be right here in the San Francisco Bay Area with really the expansion of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, now known as Gateway Seminary, um, campus opening here in 2017 uh, in Fremont. Of course, you continue to use facilities there in Mill Valley, brand new facility down in Ontario. And for folks that would like to get more information, either about the online educational track or about attending classes either at the existing campus or, or most notably at the new Fremont campus, what's the best way to reach you? Just give us a call. Or you can go online at gs.edu. Much easier to remember than ggbts.edu. gs.edu. And you can make connection. You can get information. uh, You can actually even make an application there. By the way, the uh, vice president of uh, student services told me you can still apply and still start classes at, at Gateway Seminary this fall. And they'll even waive the application fee. So it's a sale. Fantastic. We'll take advantage of the opportunity. And again, uh, you can go online to get more information at GS. Just think of Gateway Seminary, gs.edu. That's gs.edu. Or you can call toll free 888-442-8700. That's 888-442-8700 or again online at gs.edu. I imagine there's going to be an exciting open house coming up uh, in 2017 as well. Yes, we're, we're starting to prepare for that already. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. I'll be looking for my invitation. Hey, thanks to uh, Dr. Rick Durst for being with us in studio today, director of the new Fremont campus. And uh, we've got to get you back to talk about one of your books, too, here. Reese. Love to uh, do it. In fact, I've got the latest sitting on the counter in front of me on Reordering the Trinity, Six Movements of God in the New Testament. So we'll make an appointment for that, too. Dr. Rick Durst from Gateway Seminary, thanks so much for your time. And again, information available on the web at gs.edu. That's gs.edu or call toll-free 888-442-8700. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. 
Flynn, three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.